Everyday consumers are being bombarded with the next big thing in health, wellness, and fitness. What's the future of keeping ourselves healthy, and what's just a passing fad? Hi, I'm Joey Thurman, and if you don't know me, I'm a health and fitness expert and author. I've been fortunate enough to work with celebrities, athletes, C-suite executives, and everyone in between. I've been featured on the Today Show, Live with Kelly and Ryan, Good Morning America, TEDx, and lots of other publications. As part of my ever-increasing thirst for knowledge, which ironically happened after college, I decided to create the Fatter Future podcast. What sets this podcast apart is that I am the guinea pig for these episodes. I don't only want to bring in world-class experts on the show, I want to truly get a first-hand experience what it's like to, say, go on ketamine and trip for my depression, go on a three-day fast drinking nothing but coffee and water for age reversal, eat nothing but plants and get the blood work done to back it up, or even get my brain mapped to see how messed up my head is from getting knocked around playing hockey. Once I try these things, I bring on the experts to talk about my experience and explain it to the audience in a digestible manner and ask the true question. Is it a fad or is it the future? Because after all, we don't want to be fatties. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Fat or Future. I'm Joey Thurman. Today, we have Dr. Sam Afara. He a, holds a doctorate in clinical psychology. He works with everybody from children, adolescents, adult, geriatric populations, groups, individuals, family settings, outpatient, inpatient, crisis center, emergency room, learning center, therapeutic day settings, and even professional athletes. Sam, very, very smart guy. I've known him for quite some time. He also currently consults at the Center for Clinical Neuroscience at Yellow Brick Treatment Center and runs the Quantitative EEG Neuromodulation Program, or Brain Mapping, at Cognitive Solutions. Man, that is a mouthful. And Sam, you received the Care Leadership Award and a letter of commendation from Evanston Northwestern Healthcare for your work with September 11th. Tell me a little bit about that. That was pretty intense, obviously. And that was just basically called in to help right afterwards in the crisis center. So, sometimes it was talking to someone who last spotted someone in the stairwell, things like that, talk families through certain situations. It was pretty intense. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, we were talking a little bit before the show and you said there were several hundred people, you know, that had gone through this for, you know, the work that you were doing. And you do, I mean, you're a licensed doctor of clinical psychology and you do brain mapping or quantitative EEG. What the hell is that? That's a fancy term. Right? <laughs> it's fancy. It's a, you sound smart. Yeah. Well, what it is basically is a set of statistical analyses that's done after an EEG. So, we're talking brain waves. Mm -hmm. You know, you're measuring the electrical signal at the scalp. Typically, you know, someone would come in, you put on the cap with most typically 19 electrodes on the scalp, right? And you put gel, connective gel in there, okay. read the activity, might do two recordings, one with eyes closed, one with eyes open. But you're just basically reading the signal, you know, you get multiple pages of information on connectivity measures, timing measures in the brain, mm -hmm. amplitude measures. We're basically just looking at the functioning of the brain. Yeah. I mean, so several years ago, I ran into you at a grocery store. You, you, you had worked with my former business partner. You were training with them and you're like, hey, I, you know, I live over here. Where do you live? I'm like, actually, I live across the street from you. You know, and then we started working together and you, you convinced me to do one of these brain maps. I'm like, what the, what the hell are you talking about? I honestly thought this was hocus pocus and, it was, and, and this was all snake oil shit. So, I didn't tell you anything about my past or uh, my, my learning potential or lack thereof. 
so he puts his cap on me, you know, back like when I was in high school or college, and I, and I put the frosted tip cap on me, and they called me ta- <laughs> Captain Nicholas Shea on the hockey team, and they plucked my eyebrows too much, and I went to the tanning salon. Anyways, I digress. So I, I put this cap on my head, and he says, okay, stare at a certain point. So I stare at a certain point for, I don't know, what was probably five, ten minutes, something like 10 that. Minutes, yeah. So I'm staring at a certain point, and you know, I close my eyes for the, the same amount of time. So it's okay, I'm going to get a report back for you so a week or two goes by maybe if i did the big one yeah it would have been about seven seven ten days yeah. something like that. so he, he does the big one gives me a call he's like oh man i, I got your brain map back and i go oh how crazy am i so it's this report and there's literally like this cartoon picture of essentially my brain and like i said i didn't tell you any information about myself so i like, guess it's, it's not like He's some sort of psychic and he's figuring those out. He's looking at, at the, this picture of my brain. There are these lines all over in different colors. And he's like, hey, man, so you've had a concussion before. I'm like, okay, yeah. You know, I played hockey through college, so that, that's not that tough to figure out. He's like, well, here's where you got hit. And here's where your brain bounced off your cranium. I'm like, oh, okay. So you can tell that. And that was like a hot spot or something, right? That from the... Yeah, I mean, you'd be careful not to just use this test as a measure, but considering our relationship and going through it, I yeah, okay, <laughs> they're, they're pretty telling. They're yeah. they're quite telling. How, and so, and I remember the specific. I've had several concussions. Um, if anybody who's met me, you can probably tell just by meeting me. Like, yeah, this dude's been knocked across the head too many times. So I got elbowed in the head, and my head smashed the boards, and then I woke up with all my co- coaches above me. I knew exactly the point where that was the elbow in the head on the temple. So you're like, okay, you've had you've had a bad concussion before. You say, all right, now you are probably been depressed before. How do you how do you know that? And you point at the spot in my brain. And what was that that you saw? There's certain signatures that signal at these things, right? Uh-huh. And so there was a little bit of what we call an alpha asymmetry uh-huh. that you see a lot with depression. It is not the only form of depression, but it is one type when you kind of lift the hood and look inside, which is why I love what I do. Yeah. Instead of guessing what's going on, you know, you look in there and you see these patterns and that one came up for you. So Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that was crazy right there. So the concussion one, uh, you could probably figure out uh, no problem, like I said, just from meeting me. But the depression one, I, ha- I hadn't told you any of that. You know, we had just, you know, worked out together. So the depression one, that was kind of huge. You're like, okay, so you are either depressed or you're prone to getting depressed. And I was like, oh, yeah, the first time I was 12, 13 years old when that came up, you know, and I'm so prone to that. And then you say, hey, you like stimulants. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, man, no shit. I like stimulants. Like, I, I, I like coffee and whatever. You know, I, I think I, I don't know if at that point I had tried Adderall. I can't remember. Well, you said, but okay, so when you have a stimulant, you, you respond well. You can think much better. I don't know whatever else you said to me, but you said, if you have too much, you actually become angry and a little bit hard to take. I'm like, oh, if you ask my wife that, you can probably tell. How did you know that? Like, what, what, what point in that map could you tell that I liked stimulants? It's the same type of thing. I mean, when you looked at thousands and thousands of these and, you know, you learn certain signatures and how someone's going to probably most typically respond to certain things or, for instance, you know, bad sleep patterns, uh-huh. right? There's going to be certain patterns in the brain that are going to kind of hint at that. A little bit of everything, you know, <laughs> different patterns of anxiety, auditory uh-huh. processing. Wow. Yeah. So, that was wild to see that. And then I think the the next thing that we went through was how I learn. I think the way you explained it to me was if I was a catcher, and you're going to correct me if I if I screw this up, if I was a catcher in baseball and, they're th- and the pitcher's throwing the ball to me, 
I'm already trying to process the person on the first base or second base, and they're trying to steal the base without me even seeing the ball into the glove. I'm not even processing that thought. Is that correct? I don't remember our conversation fully, but I'm assuming by the way you described that we were talking about what's called phase, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a timing of shared information in the brain. So, because I have that problem all the time, I'll be talking to somebody and then I kind of go somewhere else and I I didn't actually receive the ball or the thought essentially. And I'm like, what the hell? Where did I just go there? I I just went somewhere else. And you're like, yeah, we can work on all this. So, now you do a brain map with someone and I'm sure they're all different. You probably have hundreds of different, you know, there's not like two or three, right? Two or three. Like just like brain maps that are the same. Like, you Oh, know. no, it's highly individualized. Okay. I mean, all in all, if I'm doing, you know, the real major map, I get close to probably around 200 pages for each client. Wow. And there's not, there's not, you can't narrow it down to, hey, there's five different brain types. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I try to treat everyone quite individually. Okay. So, you know, very specific. One of my beefs with how people are treated, you know, you, our brain's one of the most vital organs, mm-hmm. right? And it's one of the ones we actually test the least. Yeah. And this is kind of a test for that. So, you do this brain map and then what's the process from there? I mean, it's not just like you're, you're looking at my brain and saying, hey man, you're depressed, you like stimulants and, you, and you've gotten your ass kicked <laughs> in life. What's the process now? So, I usually spend about an hour going over it with someone uh-huh. and then we get a plan together. You know, we talk about not just neuromodulatory techniques, which are techniques to help retrain these brain patterns, but we talk about sleep, we talk about diet, nutrition, drinking enough water, living mm-hmm. a healthy lifestyle. And then we get down to specifically, how are we going to change these patterns we're seeing? Okay. Right. And there's something called neurofeedback where you can put electrodes on the scalp, filter out certain waveforms or communication or timing patterns and train the person. It's operant conditioning. You reward the person both visually and auditorily, for instance. They may be playing a video game with their brain. Your brain's almost like a joystick for a video game. I use use that description quite a bit. See, see, that's great. So, let me paint a picture for you guys since you're just listening here. So, the first time he he was describing it, I'm like, I play a video game with my brain. Whoa, man. That sounds like future stuff. Is it a fad or is it a future? So, he hooks me up and there's not like things like shooting into my brain. Like, I'm not like- No, it's not invasive. Nothing's going in. Okay. Yeah. That's why I think a lot of people, when they see this and I I made some posts, I'm wearing this cap or whatever, and then I think I'm getting some sort of weird shock treatment. And this isn't crap like that, right? Not the neurofeedback, no. Okay. So- he plugs me in and, I, and I've got these things on my ears and I'm looking at this big computer screen and you're like, okay, you're going to play this game with your brain. And I'm like, where's the joystick? And your brain's a joystick. <laughs> so, was, all right, my brain's my joy, joystick. Normally, I just kind of got by in life with, uh, you know, my looks and you know, a little bit of charm. So, I actually had to use my brain now. So, you turn on this game and it was just like, I don't know, like a bubble breaker type game or something. I think the first one I played and you turn this on and there's all these beeps and I'm, I don't know if I'm trying to keep these bubbles from breaking or there's like a sound. Yeah. I think we were working on sustained attention now that I think of the game you're talking about. Uh-huh. And the more focused you are based on the information we had from your brain map and what we were trying to change, yeah. the more cells that this jar would produce. And you need 25 yeah. cells to get a new jar. If you go off to what I call la-la land and yeah. lose focus, they disappear. So, you have to stay focused for a certain period of time to get all those 25 cells in there to move on to a new jar. So, by staying focused, what is happening to my brain if I'm like, is there some sort of like reward system, kind of like a Pavlov's dog thing and my brain is learning that they keep these bubbles or cells in the jar so I get another jar? Yeah, it's operant conditioning, Mm -hmm. right? So, we're basically feeding 
real-time information back to you okay. in the form of a video game. So I am playing this video game with my brain. And then, I, you know, I started doing that and I started doing better and responding well. And then you gave me one game where it was kind of like a thermometer where I had to keep the temperature of the thermometer down, if you will. And I was responding quite well. And I was doing, I think, two sessions a week. Is that a general recommendation? Typically twice for okay. most people. And I'm, I was going in and I was, I was doing this over and over again. And what were you trying to teach me then, you know, with my brain and, and the protocol? So the thermometers are almost like looking at your raw EEG signal that's filtered out. Mm -hmm. So say you're making too much of, you know, this frequency band we call theta, which is kind of what we have a lot of right before we fall asleep. Okay. You know, fogginess before sleep type of thing. And we were trying to bring it down. So think of almost like a limbo stick. And whenever you were able to lower the the amplitude, you uh -huh. know, how strong of a signal of that frequency you were making, yeah. you would get a beep or move forward in your game. So those thermometers, if you were looking at them, were actually what was signaling for your game to go or not go. Wow. And I remember, so I started doing this and it was after, I think it was a few sessions. I had a couple of clients come up to me and like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm just training you. Let's get muscles, man. So and I'm like, like, what do you mean? Like, are, you, are you taking some new pre-workout? Are you doing you coffee? I'm like, what are you talking about? And like, you just seem sharp. And honestly, I, I don't think I was really sold on the brain mapping and the, I guess, I don't know, I guess, what's the, what's the proper word here? The treatment part? Yeah. Uh, neurofeedback. Okay. So, the neurofeedback. I don't know if I, I don't know if I was sold in, I didn't tell people that I was doing this because that's the one thing. I think when you tell people like that, you're dieting, you're working out a lot of people, it's like, hey, you're looking great. So, I didn't want to tell anybody I was doing it. And people started picking up like, you're just much more sharp and you're picking up on things. And I, and I, and I felt like I was almost smarter, which I definitely need a lot more of. But what was happening? Was my brain changing? Your brain's functioning differently. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, you're basically, if I'm going back to the protocols you were describing, I think we we're trying to reduce some slower frequency stuff, which would make you more aware, yeah. more present, right? More attentive. Wow. So, I mean, I, I definitely was more present and more attentive. So, I did a, you know, a good amount of, I don't know, what it was like 15 or 20 sessions and I was responding well. And then I took a little bit of hiatus from that. And then I started going into a little bit more of a depressive state. And then we did another brain map. And I can't, so I've done three brain maps with you so far. Sounds about right. I don't know if it was the second or third one that was the worst one. I was in a really, really big funk. And then we started playing this game where I was kind of I was like flying this airplane because we wanted to focus on something else. So with what you do, you can you can kind of pinpoint that you want to work on depression or you want to work on constant functioning or you want to work on. Uh, I mean, you work with like kids with like autism and stuff. So you can change the protocol based off of what you want to achieve. What you want to achieve, but also based on the brain map. Right. So, uh -huh. it's a bunch of statistics you're looking at and those, you know, you, you they thought they looked like cartoon characters <laughs> uh -huh. in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't really look like cartoon characters to me, but, <laughs> you know, you're looking specifically at the pattern for each individual and how it relates to whatever symptoms they want to improve. Wow. Right? So, you take that into consideration when you're looking at it. You've worked with individuals that, you know, had autism and what are you trying to do there? You're trying to kind of bring down their, their symptoms and make them just more conscious? In general, I like to look at it as symptom reduction. Okay. Right. I'm not a big fan of labeling everyone and saying, okay, you're going to be cured. It's not that type of thing. It's, okay. it's more looking at symptom reduction. Okay. And each, you know, you know, it's a spectrum, right? I mean, there's, there's so many different types. 
including how your brain, you know, functional patterns in the brain that you're going to work on. So sometimes it could be stimming. Sometimes it could be more focus or awareness. It it really just depends on what's going on with them and okay. what how the brain's presenting. Okay. So we have these, you, you've said like theta waves and there's like alpha waves and all sorts of different stuff. Uh, what are the difference between these like wave patterns essentially, like how our brains are operating? So I mean, you basically go from a sleepy state to a really high arousal state, okay. right? So there's delta waves, which are deep restorative if you're in a coma, this would be really high. Theta is like fogginess before sleep. Okay. But yet, you know, you can spin all this into a positive as well. Theta is a lot of artists have typically might have a lot of theta. Alpha, internal ability to cell soothe, relax. But if it's asymmetrical, right, which we okay. talked about earlier, it can yeah. cause depression. There's different patterns of it that can cause anxiety or mimic ADHD type of symptomology. And then you can go up to your faster frequencies and, you know, in your betas, which is more of an active, attentive state. Really? If, if an artist comes in to see you, you might notice that they've got more theta waves. That's one of the things that could present. Again, there's multiple patterns of yeah. a lot of these things, but. Interesting. So, how does this differ? I mean, we want to train our brain. I mean, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And I think what, what you're doing is, it's crazy to me. It honestly sounds like sci-fi. So, that's why this is such a great topic for, you know, is this the fad or is this the future? And anytime like, I see, I used to see a picture of somebody that's got this cap on their head, I thought, you know, these weird, like shocking things happening, <laughs> trying to make you smarter and like, I don't know, some alien coming down and abducting you and, you know, opening up your brain. And you know, that's what, that's not what's happening. But how can people, you know, if they see, like, he sees apps and stuff, like, is that like playing these like games on your phone? Is that going to have anywhere near the same reward system as kind of what you're doing? Or? So, I like to look at what we're doing is kind of working the brain inside out, okay. right? We're look, working at it at the neuronal level. So, uh -huh. we're getting deep in the brain and showing you how your brain's functioning, which, you know, a lot of the stuff we do, our brains are doing a million things right now from the weight of, on our chair, our heartbeat. It's related to a whole bunch of things and it's just making it more conscious and feeding it back to you and training you in different patterns. I wouldn't say those apps are all the same. Uh-huh. But depending on what you're working on, I think there's quite a synergistic effect. Say someone's in vision therapy at the same time, I might work their visual cortex to just kind of create a synergistic effect and speed them through that therapy. So, what if they're doing some sort of specific therapy, so vision therapy, you can actually help what they're doing and make it more effective? Yeah, we've had quite a few clients who will go for vision therapy and at the same time, I'll work the visual cortex and they seem to, to speed through that treatment. Wow. Or say someone's coming in and they're working with a, some, with a reading tutor, for instance, uh -huh. right? We can work those areas of the brain and kind of support that as well. You know, different types of learning disabilities, whatever it may be. That's crazy. So, it, you, what you're doing can complement some other I know, think they work very well together. So, when you bring up the apps, it's a different thing. But if you find some really good ones mm -hmm. and you support it with the neurofeedback treatment and kind of work on those same parts of the brain. Right. So, somebody's doing like a, I don't know, like a luminosity or, or something. They, they come in and they're, and they're doing that app and at the same time, they're, they're going to do some neurofeedback. They're is it going to help them at all or is like, is the app going to do anything? I don't know if that's anything? the app I'd mainly, you know, I'd mainly focus on. Uh -huh. Is there any ones that you would recommend? I'm thinking more on having one-on-one -on -one remediators or tutors okay. that will specifically kind of walk you through or for, for example, an executive functioning coach. Okay. Right. There are certain types of programs they can walk you through okay. that are going to help you with those skills. And at the same time with the neurofeedback, you can put the electrodes in these kind of executive functioning centers and support those areas. Really? So, where would somebody find like an executive fun functioning coach? We have some cognitive solutions, but they're they're all over the place. Really? So, uh, you, just, you just go and type in executive functioning help you coach? With different, you know, planning, organization, learning how to study, teaching metacognitive techniques. Okay. 
So you're kind of like a tutor? Probably fancy tutor. A <laughs> <laughs> <of>, fancy tutor. <laughs> All right. So you've worked with a lot of people. And when you're working with an athlete, is that any different than working with, you know, just your everyday individual that's not making millions of dollars to get on the ice or catch a football? Yeah. I mean, athletes are a special breed for sure. They s- seem to notice the slightest difference, mm-hmm. you know, and if you think about even like for instance, Olympic athletes, whatever, just a millisecond makes the hugest difference, right? So, if you can notice um, like we can train the body as much and we, we can get more elastic and we can get stronger and more powerful, but that's going to be a huge difference if, correct me if I'm wrong, if they're working with you and they notice a play develop a 16th of a second faster. That can be the difference between getting pummeled on a football field or, you know, scoring a goal faster. It'd be millions of dollars in career longevity. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about processing speed, decision making, right? You've heard of getting in the zone, uh-huh. right? Depending on the sport, the position, a lot of athletes have a bunch of mental chatter. So, you can work on the mental chatter piece of it. Others might be on the focusing part. You might have others who just have a horrible time sleeping, which is really common with athletes. And, you know, you want to help them have better sleep so they feel more rested and recuperated. So, I mean, they're coming to see you and I mean, you're still doing doing brain map and it's kind of the same process? Yeah, for sure. I I brain map everyone I see. Okay. And then you, you know that if they say, hey, I'm having trouble, you know, focusing before the game or during the game or I losing concentration or whatever, like you can specifically pinpoint that. You would do a map first Uh and then you'd go off that. And again, you'd meet with them and show them the different patterns that might be feeding into all this. Wow. And then that's, you know, you get the plan together Uh and you're going to probably give them, depending on what's going on with their brains, Mm -hmm. make some suggestions on the outside, but also for the sessions that help guide the sessions. Wow. That's crazy talk to me. It's very specific to each person. It's like George Jetson shit right there. (laughs) It sounds like it's all, you know, until you go through it and Uh, you see all the data. It's very data driven. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what my next point, this is completely scientifically backed and you can, you can tell exactly what's going on by all the data. Yeah. I mean, it's, you've seen all those charts. I mean, there's a ridiculous amount of statistics involved, right? You're looking at ratios, you're looking at different images. So, it's not just kind of, oh, you're not paying attention. Let me throw something on your head and see if you can. (laughs) So, I mean, you got the brain training, which is, you know, very involved. Now, you said you will work with people on essentially like their their sleep patterns and nutrition. And what are some things that if people maybe can't get to someone, you know, such as yourself, what are some things that they can do? Like say that they're having problems sleeping or with concentration. Is there any kind of everyday things that will, will help with that? I mean, eating for sure, right? Right. Healthy diet. Okay. Exercising is probably one of the, as long as you're medically cleared to do so, it's probably Uh one of the best things you could do for a lot of the things that we deal with. Okay. It's typical sleep hygiene stuff, you know, the blue light before bed, mixing it out at least an hour before bed, dark room, doing some calming things. Okay. So, you're talking about like the cell phone, blue light, you want to turn that off? Cell phone, iPads, TVs, you know, just go to bed in your bedroom when you're ready to sleep. Don't associate that with any other activities. Otherwise, your brain will activate when it gets there. Okay. Well, except for, you know, maybe one other activity. <laughs> okay. So, you, so, about an hour beforehand? I had a feeling you would say something. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You, you, you know me all too. I, I've been good for, I don't know, like 30 minutes now. I haven't said anything. I've, I've stayed on point. All right. So, you want, you want to cut off the blue light about an hour beforehand. So, so no TV. And you want to actually read like a, like a book with paper, tangible? Uh, that would be nice. Yeah. 
They, but unfortunately, I, we've gotten kind of away from that in, with society. Huh? They still make those things, right? They still do. They're called yeah. books with paper. Anybody they, uh, listening? I mean, yeah. I enjoy the smell of books, to be honest. You with smell you. books. Yeah, I can, you, you know, when you open them up, huh. new, new book smell. <laughs> Dr. Sam likes smelling books. I've got a nerdy side, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you want to turn the blue light off. Uh, make sure you're getting proper sleep. Uh, use your bedroom for two things. And then diet and exercise what a couple times a week with that's why not diet and you know for exercising you know weight weight training is showing a, a lot of positive feedback especially with depression and anxiety levels so i would say a couple times a week at least okay. yeah i mean if you could do something get your heart rate up almost every day that'd probably be more optimal perfect right? so which could be that second thing in the bedroom uh <laughs> I, I had to. I had to go there. And then is is there anything that as far as, far as diet concern that, that shows like you need X amount of protein or just get more vegetables? Is there anything that, it, that researchers point to as far as brain health is concerned? I mean, you could find a million things out there research-wise right mm -hmm. now, but right. it depends. You know, I tried to now with the caveat that I'm not a nutritionist, uh -huh. I try to talk about that based on the patterns that we're seeing in the brain as well, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I think you and I talked about it a little bit, but for some of the, a lot of the people I see, and this isn't for everyone, but a lot of the people I see small, every two to three hours eating something small, mm -hmm. it almost, you know, for some people in brain types, if they go too long, it'll feel like a hypoglycemic crash and okay. you see a lot of the symptoms that they're presenting to you with. You know, I think that we, we talk uh, all the time about, you know, diet and what you're eating and then what's happening with your body, but often we forget about what happens with your brain. So, some people may be good with a couple meals a day, you know, with fasting protocols, but at the same time, maybe if, if you're not functioning properly on a cognitive level, I think that's maybe something to for them to look at. We want more oxygen to our brain, right? We want more oxygen to our brain. Our, our, our brain Sit operates, operates with, well. with, with oxygen. All right. So, besides, you know, working with all sorts of different populations. Is there any other thing that, you know, people should be aware of with neurofeedback and essentially how it could help them? I mean, with, you know, depression, anxiety, you know, learning patterns. Yeah. I mean, there really doesn't have to be anything wrong to do this. It's okay. like going to the gym and working out, but working out for your brain. I look at all of this, whether someone's coming in for depression or anxiety is kind of peak performance. Okay. And for optimal performance in almost anything, you want brain flexibility and that's what this trains. Wow. Right? It's being getting more control of getting out of different states of mind okay. for optimal performance. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because... You know, I we really forget about working our mind. You know, maybe maybe people go see a therapist and, and talk things out, but I think it gets lost when you hear that somebody retires and then they stop using their brain and it just mm -hmm. kind of goes downhill. I mean, it's sort of the same thing, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, we'll have a lot of people after head injury and strokes, things like that, which, you know, you know it's going to slow down stuff. And uh -huh. this is kind of exercising for it or like you're saying, retiring and not using it. But that doesn't take away the importance of talk therapy. For instance, going back to our, you know, we started out a little bit with some of the trauma stuff. Right. There's a lot of trauma work. And if I know someone has had significant trauma, I want them in talk therapy at the same time as okay. they're doing the neurofeedback because a lot of stuff's going to come up. Right. Right. And so, it's nice to have that support. So, what you're saying is you, you essentially, you can't just focus on one specific thing and, and hope that everything else is going to get better. I mean, I guess you can, but you're going to have much more success if you right. kind of do the full package. Yeah. So, so this, this is going to to complement all the other, you know, body care and, you know, mental care that you're doing. I think they all complement each other. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, 
I know that I've taken quite a break from doing brain training myself, and and I know that yeah, you need it, to get back in there. I, I need to. I need <laughs> I, I have lots of problems, Sam. Uh, so I know I need to. I need to get back in and start doing some more brain training. But when I was doing this, I like I said, I did feel a lot more sharp and more coherent. Is there anything that you know, people should do this for a certain amount of time? Um, yeah, it's a great question, and it. It varies. One of the most frustrating things for me is telling someone how much, you know, trying to figure out how much they'll improve or how quickly because right. that varies quite a bit. And again, going back, you know, better resources in your brain, you're going to respond better. Yeah. But typically after you're feeling better, so maybe you hit 20 sessions and felt better, yeah. you probably still need to come for about 10 sessions after to kind of get it to stick. Okay. Right. Is that- is So, that you don't want to just feel better and then stop right away. Which a lot of people do. And most people do. They try to get them pounds. to understand. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, and then they think they're finished, but uh -huh. it's, you got to eat for it to stick. You got to stay a little longer. If you don't use so, it, you lose it. There you go. All right. So, 20 sessions is that is a couple of times a week. So, for 10 weeks on average, maybe? I tell people if they really want to be invested, I would try to do at least 40 sessions. Okay. And then, and that's within, there's no certain amount of time. Most typically twice a week. Okay. You know, I have people who've come in from overseas and will do, you know, three, four. I've had people do multiple in a day. So, you have people fly in and be like, hey, you know, work on my brain, man. Yes, I've had a few. Yeah. And they, they just take a vacation to work on their brain? I mean, they try to... Chicago's a beautiful city, uh -huh. right? So, but the main, the main purpose is to really do an intensive kind of brain training. Wow. That's that's like a, a, a new sort of retreat, like a brain retreat. It is kind of like a brain retreat. Yeah. We, we should do something. We should figure out the, the brain body retreat. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just spitballing here. Uh, are anything else, any other resources that people should be aware of? Some of the main resources online would be isnr.org, okay. aapb.org. Those okay. are two of the biggest organizations. There's running bibliographies, I think, on both of those websites. If people want to get a hold of you, send you an email. Email's probably best. Okay. Dr. Sam Efra, E-F-F-A-R-A-H at gmail.com. Fan or future brain training? What do you think, Sam? Oh, future for sure. Oh, he says future for sure. So many applications. So I, I know what I think. I'm not going to tell you. It's up to you guys to decide. I'm Joy Thurman. Thanks for joining me once again. All these things and links will be in the show notes. Make sure to send Dr. Sam an email if you have questions, comments, maybe not concerns. Do you want to answer concerns? Uh, it's probably going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to answer the concerns. This is the Fatter Future Podcast. Thank you very much. Do something for your brain today, to your health. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure to follow on social at Fat or Future Podcast. You can follow me at Joey Thurman Fit. Don't be a fatty. Merchandise is available. Hoodies, hats, t-shirts, and beanies at fatterfuture.com. And make sure to check back next week. We've got a good episode for you. <laughs>